we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, I, I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,350 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside the fan favorite, somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Lord Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? Um, I'm just going to say good uh, so we can get into the, the meat of things because um, in the past I've, I've always been a bit too descriptive on my actual state of mind and physical health. So in this particular case, I will just say good. How about you, mate? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. Yeah, I know what you got to do first. Yeah, got to do that first. Right do before that we first. get. Yeah. Before we get started today, I would like to take a moment to remind our listeners that we did take a big risk when we started all of this. And we are not backed by fake corporate dollars that push fake agendas that make everyone hate each other. So if you're interested in supporting the work that we do, we do offer additional features with our now active subscription service. Benefits include access to our instant messaging service for direct communication to us, along with early access to upcoming and sometimes unpublished podcasts, along with exclusive access to our behind the scenes uncensored prep sessions where we talk about things that sometimes don't make it to the final product, which you're hearing now which Marty and I just did. And it was quite fun, I have to say. We talked about quite a few things in there, some personal things too. Um, <laughs> face wash, I think was one of them. And it was, yeah, yeah we, we talked about everything from face wash to plate carriers. It was it was quite interesting. It was quite a dynamic, yeah, no pun intended, uh, conversation. <laughs> so, so if you want to take part in this fight with us, if you want to support a team that's willing to do the real research and not give you fake nonsense for talking points, if you want to say screw you to the mainstream media like BBC, Sky News, Fox News, MSNBC, and CNN, then the link is in the program description down below where you can come on board with us and take advantage of these benefits that we're offering to you. And by doing so, you will support our work and you'll support the research that goes along with that work. And together we can take the fight to the doorsteps of these frauds that are on the television, in the newspapers, and the talking heads on the international stage. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, together we can take action. A subscription start at just $5 per month. Now, are you still unsure what you're getting? We now offer a 30-day free trial, which includes unlimited access to all features and content. Again, the link is in the program description down below. All right, Marty, where would you like to start? Right, before it slips my mind, I was just watching um, Sky News prior to coming on air, eating my lunch, which was leftover curry. It was delicious, by the way. And the first story that was on was about the director of the Al-Sharia. Is it the, uh, the, what's the name of the hospital in Gaza? The big one? That eludes me at the moment. I, I've seen we'll, it everywhere. We'll, we'll fill just, that in later, but it's yeah. the one that's been at the centre of every story. The director of that hospital has been taken into custody by the IDF. And I was thinking about this while I was getting through McCurry. And yeah, it, it could be a good thing, but what are they going to use him for? Are they going to get him to publicly admit to what Hamas has done? Um, in terms of using the hospital as a command and control center. Was he complicit or was he coerced? Remember that word, coerced. It will come up later on in something else I want to talk about. And if they do put him on television so he can speak to the world about just exactly how Hamas has been using med medical facilities and Gaza Gaza's uh, civilians as a shield, is his face going to be covered in bruises? Because, let's face it, that individual lives and works inside Gaza. His family, whatever he's got left of his family inside Gaza, will be immediately uh, at risk if he does anything to comply with the IDF. So to what end was this guy captured? That it, It's just something to think about. When you see it on the news as it comes up over the next couple of days, 
what was the purpose of apprehending the director of a hospital? Okay, my next question is this. Was it an actual hospital? Yeah, it is a hospital. Uh, and babies are being born there. People are having operations there. And yes, it has been used as a command and control center by Hamas. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. they do do that. I know I know that we we see conflicting stuff. I I've seen stories and and reports that come out of the IDF and I I've seen uh, there was something. You know what? On that point, there was a report that was done by that uh what's that propaganda outlet you have over BBC. That's the one. That's they, the one. Uh, that's the one. They did Buckley's something. Broadcasting communism. Yes, yes, that they did something on this. And if you give me just a moment, I can pull this. So I, they say that this was uh, propaganda, and uh, they have run through their little uh, verify, their BBC verify or whatever, and they have debunked all of this. Right, that's what they say. Do I believe that? I don't know. It's the BBC. Why would I believe them? So well, I will. Yeah, I will produce this clip here in just a moment, but. Using the hospital, going back to that, right, not not straying too far from that, using that as a command and control, right? They also do this in other residential areas. They do this in mosques. They'll do the same thing. They'll use it as, as command and control. We know that they have an extensive tunnel network all throughout the Gaza Strip, yes? That's how they move. Yeah. Right, we know that. And yet BBC says that there is not any evidence to support that there are any tunnel systems, which I think is is complete bull. That sounds a bit like uh, was it was his name Chemical Alley? Chemical Alley. Um, You've mentioned him before. Yeah, yeah. As as he was stood there saying, um, "No, no, there are no American troops inside Baghdad." As you can see, the Abrams uh, rolling across a bridge just behind him as he spoke. There is evidence. Yeah, we've driven the infidels from our land, and the, there's a you know there's, yeah. there's Abrams tanks behind him. Yeah, there, there is evidence, um, but the BBC is completely compromised. Has been for a long time as are all of these news stations, because Sky, that story, immediately followed up by a completely pointless story about opera uh, being performed in the Yorkshire accent up in Bradford. And unsurprisingly, these individuals that were performing opera in the Yorkshire accent, one was Indian and the other one was West Indian, African-American, African, I'm not sure. So neither of the performers that they showed on the clip were actually from Yorkshire and had to fake a Yorkshire accent, which um, is quite difficult. So kudos for them for giving it a go. But it, you go from a story where the director of a hospital at the centre of global focus at the moment has been arrested into a complete bullshit nonsensical, pointless story about performing um, The Marriage of Figaro, or no, The Barber of Seville, it was, in a Yorkshire accent. So that that, that was what made me want to talk about that. You go no, from one it. thing to another. It's yeah. it's instant distraction. Here's some news. Here's a, here's a distraction. You know, that's that's the way that the media is working. Right. So here is the report that we've got out of BBC when it comes to the hospitals. And they, they say that there is no evidence. Uh, Israel's produced no evidence of any tunnel systems underneath Gaza. Israel described the Al-Shifa hospital as the main headquarters for Hamas's terrorist activity. This IDF animation posted in late October claims to represent a Hamas tunnel system underneath the hospital. But having been inside Al-Shifa since early Wednesday, Israel's yet to produce evidence of the tunnels. It has allowed the BBC and Fox News to film at the hospital, though only locations of Israel's choice. This is what they found. Israel also released its own seven-minute video, which BBC Verify has analysed. A watch visible in that video suggests it was filmed a few hours before the BBC arrived. And this IDF video was posted, then deleted, then reposted. This time, without a section referring to an Israeli soldier who'd been held hostage. I don't know when this was used the last time. Also in the video, we see a room with an MRI machine. And if you zoom in and we get some light over here, what you will be able to see are is military equipment. The BBC was shown the same room. And what we see in the two videos doesn't precisely match. For example, there's one gun in the IDF video, two by the time of the BBC footage. 
Israel has told BBC Verify this is because more weaponry and terrorist assets were discovered throughout the day. And as always, an AK-47. Israel also says its video is a single shot with no edits. But this appears to be an edit. We don't know the reasons for that edit, nor how significant it is. The IDF, though, says suggestions it's manipulating the media are incorrect. The IDF video also shows military equipment in other locations, though we can't verify how it came to be there. And what we see in this IDF video doesn't equate to Israel's description of al-Shifa as an operational command center for Hamas. The U.S. is using a different phrase, saying al-Shifa was used as a command and control node. That implies a much smaller facility. Israel is adamant this hospital was a command center, but for now, at least, it's either not found supporting evidence or it's not sharing it. Back to you, Sophie. You see, I am utterly disgusted by the approach of the BBC in covering what has been released by the IDF. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if there wasn't a little bit of um, seeding of the uh, of the, of the rooms with with some kit that they've found elsewhere in the in the hospital, almost certainly. Uh, but was was Time Team a BBC program? Time, I team. think it was, or time was it team. Channel Four? Because um, to make I don't know, you've got so Time Team. Basically, you get a load of archaeologists go to a location and they dig and they find stuff and they build up a story about what was there. Several of these earlier uh, Time Team episodes had actually been seeded with stuff found elsewhere for the archaeologists to come and dig up. It happens. It's, uh, you know, media companies, uh, the IDF, Hamas, none of them are above uh, gilding the lily a bit, shall we say, adding a bit into it. But has the BBC also done uh, a similar kind of approach to the videos coming from taken by the people of Gaza's mobile telephones as uh, female bodies were being having their clothes torn off and being spat on. Have they talked about that on BBC on the BBC to that kind of depth? Have no. they talked about that, uh, which I saw again on another clip earlier on of a compilation of Hamas atrocities of the girl being dragged out of the car with the entire seat of her jeans soaked in blood? Have they done that kind of, um, you know, deep dive into footage? No, they haven't. And why is that? That because of their bias, their bias towards the left. And at the moment, the left is aligned with uh, Islamic fundamentalism for the moment until Bezimov uh, gets proved to be the most accurate prophet ever, uh, at which point they don't make it. So, you know, all of these things tie up with last week's podcasts, which I have dutifully listened to. Well, so, you. no, that you're welcome. <laughs> Well, I've got a few points to mention about a couple of them anyway, but um, yeah, the BBC just disgusts me. I'm, I'm disgusted by it. You're not the only one. I, I'm disgusted by it too, to be fair. And I, I mean, that's coming from an outsider. I, I've been watching the BBC for, for many, many years. I mean, decades now, because I just want to see a different perspective. I mean, you're still part of the English block, so I want to see a different perspective. Same thing when I watch Australian news. I can't believe the level of just trash that it's turned into. The US... I'm beyond disgusted by that, right? So I, I'm I'm just as angry, if not more so, at my own media outlets in the US as you are with yours in the UK. Yeah, I mean, anything that's got the word British in it, I should be able to be proud of. But I can't be proud of the BBC, I'm afraid. Well, you say, since you brought it up, you say that you've got some, uh, some comments that you'd like to make on some things you heard last week that you want to follow up on. Go ahead. Yeah, right. Here in the UK, we don't pay what you call property taxes, we pay things called rates. And they are also based the size of your property, the value, the bracket that it's put into. And some and, and different local councils, different counties have different levels of, of rates. But you seem to think that they shouldn't be paid. What well, what do property taxes go to pay for in the US? Schools. Schools. So they're teaching. Yes. Well, you know what they're teaching. Yeah, I know what they're teaching. But let's say for let's say in an ideal world or the one that's going to exist in the near future when everyone wakes the f up 
and the schools are actually teaching a proper useful curriculum based on uh, educating and to some extent preparing uh, the pupils for either further education or the life of work. So let's say though the, the schools are, were doing the right job. What would pay for those schools if property taxes weren't there? Well, before we had public schools, we had schools that were funded by church communities and things of that nature. It, Which like again, it a- promotes an ideology. I went to yes. a church school. I went so to yeah. two church schools to be to be precise. And it was paid for by the Church of England. And we all sang hymns every morning. But basically, schools that are funded by religious organizations have their own ideology and their own agendas, don't they? They do. Um, I I also argue against the the property tax in America for another reason. It's not just schools. I'm not not simply arguing that point. That is a problem, in my opinion. Uh, But my main issue with the property tax has nothing to do with schools. My main issue with it is we champion the concept in America. We always have. We were founded upon the fact that we have property rights. We have the right to own our own property. And so therefore, if you're constantly having to pay an increased property tax, you don't actually, you don't own, actually own it. No, right. you don't. That's my yeah. main gripe with the property tax. It's been used now to fund the schools. So that's my... I guess my my new age gripe with it, but going all the way back, we should not even have a property tax. So we can discuss the schools in a in a different light. I'm not saying it's not relevant to what you're saying, but what I'm saying is is that we shouldn't have a property tax to begin with because that implies you don't actually own the land that you've paid for. Well, this is why I think, and I'm not saying it's it's perfect, but the idea of rates or what we call council tax. So you're taxed by your local authority based on living in the area, but it's it's not based. Sorry, it is based on the value of your property, but it's 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 there to pay for services that are provided by the local authority. To some extent, that's policing, waste disposal, you know, your garbage men coming round and collecting your trash, other facilities, public parks, libraries, all of those kind of things are supposed to be paid for out of council tax rates. And what are we going to do without them? If if we in the UK had big enough plots of land each to have our own landfill or to have a furnace that burnt our rubbish and turned it back into energy to use to heat the property or, or you know, give us hot water for washing, those kind of things, that would be different. But we, we don't. We have pissant little tiny buildings because that's all that our system allows us to afford unless you're very, very, very rich. So there has to be there has to be these services. My Spanish stepfather used to tell me that within Spain, if you didn't want your rubbish to be picked up from your um, home uh, on a regular basis, you didn't pay that portion of tax and you would get your pickup truck and you'd take it down to the, to the tip yourself. If you didn't want, if you had your own well and didn't want to pay for water to be provided to your building, you didn't have to do that. So there was this choice of things, uh, you know, like a, a menu, a tick off sheet of what you wanted to pay for. I think that would be a better way of doing things. But as it is, uh, just just on that one point, I don't want to labour it too long, but property tax, if it's spent where it's meant to be spent, I think is a good idea. Likewise, council taxes, rates. If it's spent where they are spending it, on junk, on wokeism, on inflated salaries for public officials, then no, it's a bad idea. Uh, I think that's all I wanted to say on that particular point. We can agree to disagree, my friend, on taxes because, well, let's be honest, my country would not exist if it wasn't for your country levying taxes that didn't belong there. Just saying. I, I'm just saying. Yeah, that, you see, that that was the, the what the, the media of the day released as the reason. The real reason oh, it's was the media. It's the, it's the media that caused that. Okay, all right. No, no, no. It's not caused it. That That's a smokescreen. It, it was disgruntled former English nobleman such as George Washington 
wanting to take that great big chunk of land for themselves and become kings in their own right, which is exactly what they did. You know, there was actually a Oh, on that note, happy Thanksgiving today. Uh, This will come out later, but happy Thanksgiving because I I think we're still at about 90% listenership in the u.s so no no we're not actually it's it is i will say it is a it is a two-horse race between the u.s and the uk so we have the u.s is still obviously the the biggest the biggest chunk of it yes but uh the uk and and australia and canada are not far behind and and germany and and i think the reason thank thank you to all of the german listeners i i think the the reason they listen is because well i think it's because i'm here (laughs) but thank you (laughs) yeah no uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving, and thank you to all our listeners. There is a um, uh, there is a, a little known fact. Uh, there was a push, um, and you will later understand this. There there was a push to implement such titles as you're suggesting. You know, to become kings in their own land, if you will. There there was a push before the before the first presidential election after the revolution was was fought and won. There was a push and an initiative to try and start. Uh, a new form of monarchy. They actually wanted, the suggestion was to actually make uh, the president or who would later become the president uh, called his majesty. And it was, it was wholeheartedly rejected because everyone looked at certain people and they were thinking, wait a minute, we just fought a revolution to get away from this. And so this is not what we want to do again. It doesn't take long though to fall back into that trap. And the fact that the names got changed, that the titles got changed, actually helps that happen faster because you don't realise you're still being ruled by an elite. Your foreign policy is being driven by big business who are headed up by that old money elite families. Your uh, internal domestic policies are being driven by you know the the industry within within the the US uh, it if they had if those had kept the names the same um if each governor of each state had have had uh, a title of duke or something it would have been more obvious but slowly but surely it's happened again we are you're back to that situation where you are being ruled by people who have no real connection to you your family your local community and and that's what's happened uh, and it will always happen it, it's it's a cycle it has um all right so let's let's move over to uh in the interest of time here let's move over to new york i think you've heard about new york yes yeah, only just. Uh, and only again, just. I think okay. it, it think it was briefly on the news. Um, yeah. Well, what a highly successful terrorist operation. Well, let's the, go back. It, Let, let's let's go back. Let, let's go back to a few days ago. Just, just to, before we do that. Yeah, go ahead. Just so the listeners know, I'm being sarcastic. It, it wasn't a highly successful terrorist operation. One border guard is being reported as injured. The other two dead are the bombers themselves. Well, let's go back to a few days ago. This was a report that was put out by CBS, again, the one of our propaganda uh, outlets. This was a report that was put out by them. Then lo and behold, 24 to 36 hours later, you will see what happened. So is it quite possible they could have known something? I'm just asking the question. That's all I'm doing. I'm not insinuating anything. I'm just asking. But this is the report first, and then we will get to the aftermath. Thank you, Jerika. CBS News has obtained a security alert suggesting an increasing terrorist threat to New York State. The New York State Intelligence Bulletin points to Israeli operations against Hamas, and specifically that the increase in civilian casualties raises the likelihood that violent extremist threat actors will seek to conduct attacks against targets in the West, with New York State being a focus. The alert says possible targets include protests and other public events. Police in New York maintaining a highly visible security presence around potential targets like synagogues. And while there's no specific or credible threat, security for this week's Thanksgiving Day Parade is at a high level with the full deployment of thousands of New York City police officers. The Intelligence Bulletin emphasizes that anti-Palestinian chatter has also been observed on multiple social media channels, with pro-Israeli advocates calling for violence against Palestinians and those who support them. The greatest threat threat comes from lone actors who take inspiration from violent rhetoric, much of it online. Today, New York's governor called on social media companies to take an aggressive approach to shut them down. Jerika. Catherine Harris, thank you for that. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for telling us how you're going to shut down free speech on the internet. We really appreciate that. Now, 
Let's that's fast exactly forward. what that was. That's, that's exactly, that's exactly what, it was. what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Let's fast forward to the aftermath of it. Alexis McAdams is reporting that, that according to high level police sources, the explosion was an attempted terrorist attack. A lot of explosives in the vehicle at the time. The two people who were in the car are deceased. One Border Patrol officer was injured. Driving from the U.S. apparently to Canada, and we're trying to drive toward the CBP building. So all bridges in the area have been closed. All government buildings in the area have been evacuated. So there you have it. A car bomb exploded on the U.S.-Canada border on the Rainbow Bridge at the crossing of Niagara Falls. And it was heading into Canada. Heading into Canada, they say, obviously, if we're going by what they said there on that that news report, that the CBP building was targeted, which is the Canadian Border Patrol. So that would be a government facility. Yeah. And now all government facilities have been shut down. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, um, but yet our southern border is hanging wide open. There's no problem down there. No, Sorry, no, I'd no, just no, like to throw never, that one in there. No, no problem at all. I mean, the um, well, at least those coming across the southern border aren't trying to blow themselves and other people up as they do. Not so. at the border. Not at but... the border. No, they're going to wait until they've they've met up with the rest of their cell. Yes, and uh, been kitted out. And uh, yeah, I mean, going back to the first. Um, news bit uh with the the lighting in that studio was terrible that woman looked like she only had tendons on one side of her neck um <laughs> why is it did, did, did you notice that did you i i, I mean, did it's notice absolutely it's just, unimportant but it's um, the same no 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 it's that's an excellent point it is the same across any of these these news networks these people that get up there they they look like they are just reanimated corpses a lot of them yeah no that whole thing was uh, a prelude to uh, shutting down freedom of speech. Now, look, if if I was involved with the security services in an active way, I'd be letting everyone say what the flip they like, because that way you can make your watch list a bit bigger and you can see what's happening. You can watch the chatter. But anyone who's going to do something is, is going to keep it on the download. They're not going to be, they might be reading the chatter, but they're not going to be posting the stuff themselves. What you've got to do is, um, I'm I'm sure they can work out who's watched what. And then if you add all that up, I mean, I'm getting stuff on on the various social media feeds that I I do engage with, stuff that is going to push you one way or another. It's it's it is happening. It is there, and normally, actually, it's just the truthful, non-sensationalist things that that can actually convince people that this is the right side of the argument or this is the wrong side of the argue, argument. Because if it's uh, sensationalism, it, it starts to switch on most people's alarms and go, "Yeah, I'm I'm not going to be convinced by this." one-sided sensationalism but the i don't know i suppose the that bbc uh report on the idf footage of the one-shot tours which i mentioned i think last podcast the way that was done that is more likely to bring people down on the side of hamas because it was matter of fact the way it was delivered and it was an unspoken accusation towards the idf so it's it's that kind of stuff that people are watching that is more likely to radicalize someone. I want to switch up to uh, something. I, I've got some uh, some B-roll footage here that I'm going to be running behind me uh, that you're going to be able to see. This is the uh, this is another proxy group that's out of uh, the Middle East that operate with um, or are fighting alongside with, if you want to use that. Um, it's the Iranian right. flag on the back of that helicopter, that, though, isn't it? That is, and, and it's also a pal- No, that's a Yemeni flag and the Palestinian oh, Yemeni, flag. Sorry, yeah, these I are the Houthis. Yeah, these are the the Houthi rebels. They have supposed- well, you, you you'll be able to tell as soon as you see. It. Well, you probably can already tell what kind of helicopter that is. This is the uh, hijacking of a civilian ship that took place in. In the southern part of the Red Sea 48 hours ago. And uh, as you can see here that they I, honestly this to me, it looks like a it looks like a photo op. But I want to know what your opinion is when you watch this video in its entirety. Russian helicopter. Just pointing that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Russian helicopter, Russian weapons. It may just be the quality, but that looks like an animation to me. 
It does, doesn't it? it? But they've also got the 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 cameras on uh, gyroscopes behind them on an arm that comes yeah. out from them. Yeah. So it it's and they're wearing the, GoPros on their you know on their yeah. heads. And obviously the sunlight out there in the middle of um, of the Gulf, you know, out into the Indian Ocean, is very strong. So that would also have an effect on on the quality of the the, the cinematography. Funny old thing is, though, <laughs> see that deck that they're walking across at the moment? That yeah. is a, a car deck. Yeah, that is supposed car, to be car full. Mission. Yeah, full that of cars. That is supposed to be full of empty. cars. <laughs> it's empty. So the the Houthi have um, hijacked a completely empty tanker. But it's a, uh, it's but, a success. <laughs> it's a car uh, hauler. It's a success. It's success. <laughs> yeah. But again... Do, do we know what flag... That container ship was um, can, under. Um, we might be able to see that if we go back to that right there. Maybe, yeah. Is that Swiss flag? No, it could be Panamanian. You know how those ships are. Uh, the thing about the Swiss flag is it's a big plus. So yes, um, that is not. No, that's a no. That's the lifeboat. Now, um, what does it say underneath the the name Galaxy, of the, the vessel? Galaxy Leader is the name of the ship. Um, yeah, and underneath that is where it's registered. I can't tell. No, can't can't tell. That that would be a, a big clue as to um, whether or not it's staged, is to to who actually owns the vessel uh, and and where the veg, uh, where the vessel is registered for insurance purposes. But anyway, yeah, this kind of operation is is what our armed forces are actually out there to stop. I have stopped these attempts with my ship and my ship's company in the past, and. It just shocks me that um, no one's looking after that vessel. So for it to be outside of the protection of the, the the warships that are patrolling out there, they've made an error. And honestly, that that really does look like an animation. The helicopter it looks does, like an animation. Let, yeah. Let's go back and look at that just for a second. Okay, so you got uh, it's not a touchdown; it's just a dust off, right? So uh, and then you've got it pulling away. Now I am yeah. I am running at it a little bit faster speed. So let me do normal. All right, so this is one time speed. Could also be the camera. Yeah, difficult to tell. And yet, right on that bridge, there's cameras facing aft, looking at the whole of the ship. Yeah, and so this lot have just landed a helicopter, which would have been heard even at sea on the bridge. And yet, when the guys come through the bridge wing doors, oh it. The, the bridge crew look surprised as they slowly raise their hands. No, they would have heard them coming. They would have already been assuming the position as those doors opened because yeah. that's the drill they're taught. If they've got no uh, self-defense force on board, they would just put their hands up and wait for those doors to open. So yeah, this this whole thing stinks, I'm afraid, mate. Well, that's what I was wondering. Was exactly that because I, I I looked at it and I'm I'm watching the the video quality and I'm I, I'm thinking to myself this just all looks wrong. You know, n none of it looks none of it looks right. And aren't some of these shipping companies? Correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't some of these shipping companies starting to take matters in their own hands where they're employing people? I've to got friends who who work in the industry of training individuals, ex servicemen, and I've got friends who go on to the ships. One guy. He joined the he joined the Royal Navy to simply get four years service in to give him a stronger case uh, for when he went down to Toulon and joined the Foreign Legion. He then did ten years Foreign Legion. When he left the Legion with his French citizenship and his new name, he uh, he went back to the UK, joined the uh, Territorial Army, the Reservists in my old regiment. But his full-time job was maritime protection. And that's what he and his highly trained group of colleagues did and still do, as far as I'm aware, although he, he's a couple of years younger than me, so he, he's probably close to retiring now. And you might have eight to ten armed guards ready to repel borders. Now, helicopters such as that one, if it wasn't an animation, can be really quickly brought down, even with small arms fire. They're not immune to it if it had been a hind delta or something like that with a titanium cockpit and all kinds of mean and nasty air to ground weapons that would have been a different matter but that helicopter i could have shot out of the air with uh an sa80 they are a little bit of a tin can aren't they when you you start shooting at them all right 
let's move over to what I believe could be a, a pretext for something larger. And we were kind of discussing this a little bit uh, offline. South Korea has partially suspended part of a uh, military deal that they had with North Korea. Uh, now, supposedly the North Koreans, and Bruce brought this up to me last night, we actually had to, we ended up, we ended up not doing a podcast because of the, the U.S. holiday, uh, because of things going on. So we, we just postponed that. There is a rerun out for yesterday, though. But Bruce had brought up the point that uh, North Korea had launched a, a new spy satellite, which, of course, you know, I... When North Korea puts a spy satellite in orbit, I don't honestly, I don't know what to think of that. I don't know if it's just a, a hunk of metal or, or whatever. But this deal that they had with the North, part of it was something that included a, a no fly, like a buffer zone to where they weren't allowed to do like reconnaissance flights. And so that apparently was Article 1, Paragraph 3 of that particular agreement has been suspended, uh, as well as there were to be no surveillance or reconnaissance flights of North Korea along the uh, military demarcation line or the DMZ. And that part has also been rescinded. So these are going to resume. Now, we were discussing in prep about the possibility of just simply posturing. But and I, I'm not in disagreement with that. But at the same time, I'm also mindful of what I was told by someone else that is outside of the um, the circle, if you will, of what it could possibly mean. Yeah, well, both sides, the South Koreans largely relying on U.S. military satellites for surveillance of the DMZ and further. And bearing in mind these satellites uh, are operating in orbit, so any no-fly zone they're going to be well above the ceiling to infringe upon that. You only have to ramp up your actual aircraft surveillance prior to some form of of movement, you know, large-scale movement of, of forces, because you want to know where everything is at the time. And although satellites are extremely accurate and cover a, a big area, they are time-dependent. So it depends on when things pass, as in when the satellite passes over the area as to what it can see. Some of them are geostationary, so that they, they will maintain an orbit so that they are just looking in one particular area. But to kind of confirm what they're telling you, these other reconnaissance flights take place just prior to a major movement of men and machinery. So, yeah, it, it could be something. But given that creepy Joe Biden is clearly well and truly in the pockets of the Soviets. I can't see South Korea doing a damn thing off their own bat. So if, they've, if they're the ones who've rescinded the no-fly zone, then it's down to a decision made in the White House uh, and passed on. So I, don't, I, I see it as a posture. It's like Xi Jinping might say to Biden through one of the back channels, uh, you need to save a bit of face and look a bit tough. I tell you what, let's just rescind this no-fly zone so it can make it look like you're standing up to us. Yeah, Simple as a, that. It's a piecemeal thing, yeah. Uh, it's a it's a tit for tat, you know, just pointless, nonsensical thing that you just you grab a hold of. And let's be honest, this is not... North Korea against the South, if this were to transpire. This is the United States against China. Yeah, it's, That's all it's it is. a proxy. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing with Israel and, and Gaza. And it's the same thing. You've got, you've got the how U.S. Soon, yeah, go on. How soon did the Korean War kick off uh, after 50, the Second World War? 52, I think. I think I'm going to go with 52 because we ended in 49, right? And it was just a few years uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with 52. We, we ended in 45. Started oh, 45, in 39 sorry. For, 45. For some of um, us, it started in 39. I, yeah. I, Others, you know it started I, in 1931. 32. <laughs> I'll actually go further than that. You, do you want to know? I'll go further than that. Uh, well, when the Second World War actually started? Yes. Well, the Spanish Civil War was a, a great big training exercise for the Wehrmacht and the Luftwaffe. Mm -hmm. So that was, what, 32, 33? I'll go 1917. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Anyway, we digress. Yeah. Um, the point is that the Korean War was a proxy war. It started almost immediately, seven years is not a long time in global history, after the Second World War. Once Russia and China had got to grips with things and, and revved up their production after being extremely well trained 
informed in terms of technology 50 by the west 1950 i was two years yeah. late yeah yeah so it's um uh, and you know korea wasn't just fought by america there were australians there there were canadians there were british there and that's why it it was fought to a standstill along that um along that dmz not because the Americans couldn't have handled it by themselves. That's maybe wrong, but because there was there was more of a world desire to stop that spread of communism at the time. Now that the the appetite to stop the spread of any kind of harmful, dangerous ideology uh, seems to be missing, and I believe that's because the Western governments, the Western way of thinking, has been subverted by that long-range plan that you've done so much research into. Yeah, that unfortunately, it's and it, it goes back to I, I'm I'm sorry, it's it's a hollow victory, you know. When when it comes right down to it, it's it's a hollow victory because there's a lot of work that needs to be done here. Uh, Finland has decided that they are going to erect some barriers at the uh, border crossings with Russia to control um, influx of people that are not supposed to be coming across the border. Uh, since Finland has joined NATO, they've essentially they've closed their border down um, and they're now putting up physical barriers. And we talked about this in prep. Uh, the Finnish border with Russia is 830 miles. And there's no way, as you pointed out, there's no way for them to to maintain that entire length. But they're going to to focus on key key crossings. Yeah. Uh, and as we talked about it in prep, uh, the phrase shutting the barn door after the horse has bolted um, sort of sprang to mind. Um, that it You can shut down um, the main arterial routes, which is probably down which Moscow might put their their armour. But then again, the whole of NATO would have to stand against it. Finland wouldn't be enough to stop that kind of large-scale invasion. But again, but the Finns, it's- to their credit, the Finns have a very bad history with the Russians. And they hate the Russians. The, yeah, well, they hate them. And they have, they have an inherent advantage. I'll just put it that way. Uh, they have, every time they've gone up against the Russians, they have given them a proper thumping. Yeah, they have. And it's down to the terrain, mountainous, forest, snow-covered, permafrost, all those kind of really harsh weather conditions that stop any land forces from having a, a, a great deal of success, where small units can take on quite large units uh, and and devastate them with um, well-concealed ambushes and and raiding. You know, it, almost almost a guerrilla. You know, a guerrilla, not gorilla warfare. I told you about that, didn't I? With the translation. Yes. Um, yeah, you did. Yeah. Why, why are we? Why are we? Why are we talking why, why about monkeys? For? With monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's a. It, it's again something that um, might be a complete waste of time because the sleepers that will kick off inside Finland when Moscow decides it's time are probably already there, as you said. But getting getting them support might be a bit difficult if Finland puts up a strong enough defence of its 830-mile border, which is a bloody big front, whichever way you look at it. Just to be clear, I know outside of the uh, the uh, imperial measurement system, we have a lot of listeners. That is 1,390 kilometres. Yeah, if you look at the... I, I don't think it was that big, but the front on which the Battle of the Bulge prior to that the the whole Ardennes campaign was yeah. for is probably about half that. Yeah. And you were looking at three hundred thousand men just on the Allied side yeah. to cover that you know, four hundred miles, six hundred kilometers of front. Yeah, and so we can't even. I, I was making no. the comparison. We can't even get the uh, the U.S. with all of our resources and all of our manpower. We can't even secure the U.S. southern border. It's it's funny when it comes to attack. The units in in armed forces have got smaller and smaller. If you look at a 19th century, let's say the Battle of Waterloo, a platoon of 50 men firing their um, muzzle-loading muskets or rifles could put out 150 rounds a minute. Now one man with uh, an automatic weapon 
can do more than that. But in terms of defense, you always need to cover every part of the approach that the enemy might use. So it takes a lot more people to defend that, than it would do to to attack. Well, I tell you what, we are coming down to uh, our final uh, our final time here. I thought we would kick out of here a few minutes early, but um, I, because I do have one more thing, but we already know the answer to that. Somebody did a, a piece on whether or not we should consider uh, TikTok as a national security threat. The answer is yes. I'm just going to sum up that and we'll be done with it and move on. I will get to your surprise. Are you ready for your surprise? I just want to talk about one thing. Please go ahead. Sorry. There is a very sad mother in the UK whose daughter killed herself after a about a two-year abusive, coercive relationship. She even left the guy at one point, but went back to him. And now this mother is pushing for a law uh, to be put on our statute books relating to coercive behavior. And you can sympathize with this mother who's lost lost her daughter at a very young age due to the narcissistic behavior of her daughter's boyfriend. Uh, you know, you're not going out wearing that. I want to have a look at your phone. Uh, you know, you're not eating that. You're not doing this. All of those things that built up to this depressed young girl killing herself. You can be, you can have sympathy. But what do parents do? What do we actually do with our kids when we're bringing them up? We make them do things that they don't want to because they're going through all kinds of hormonal changes. They're pushing the limits. They're pushing their boundaries. I mean, the earliest kids start to say no is about one and a half to two years old, where they really like the word no. They get told to do something and they immediately say no until they're forced to do something. And the problem with law or laws is they are applied across the board. They are applied evenly. So if a new law that prevents coercive behavior gets made into a bill and passed, where does that leave parents? Where does that leave parents, for instance, in the case of my kid, not my kid, but let's say a parent whose child starts to demand puberty blockers, starts to say, I identify as this or that. If the parent makes the child think again or refuses to pander to this, this these new ideas that are floating through this child's head, could they be considered as being coercive or controlling? Of course they could, because that's exactly what they would do. They are being coercive because there's a threat. You know, no, you will, I'll turn the Wi-Fi off. Uh, you'll be going to bed. Uh, no, you won't be going out with, the, out with your friends. All the ways in which you can discipline your child suddenly become coercive behavior. So all I wanted to say on that was it's hit the news recently. It is gaining some momentum because obviously everyone's going to feel sympathy with a mother who's lost their daughter to suicide. But be careful what you wish for because a law against coercive and controlling behavior could be a direct attack on parenthood. It could be, yes. And it would be detrimental to anything that they would consider to be, quote, coercive behavior, just like hate speech, right? Yeah. Yeah. Marty, you talked about the intestinal fortitude of Joe Biden, President Joe Biden. Yeah. And his his great ability to stand up to just horrible dictators like Xi Jinping of China and how he's able to posture and, and make himself into a person that is of integrity and tenacity. And you're not buying any of this, are you? No, you see what's happening at the moment. And thankfully, Jordan Peterson helped me understand it. My Tourette's is kicking in. Oh, I see. So right, if you listen to Jordan Peterson, he says Tourette's actually comes from our primal brain. Uh, and when we hear or see a threat, we are giving out those guttural noises that mammals, pack animals give off to warn each other of a problem. So stand by with a bleep button, because as soon as you mention Joe Biden, all I'm thinking is... Uh, and that's what happens. You see, it is Tourette's. It's a form of Tourette's, and it's my primal brain, you know, the very centre uh, of my existence that's warning me uh, to warn others um, of just what a, that word again, he is. 
you're familiar with a, a television presenter in the UK named David Attenborough, yes? Yeah, and he's a shill as well. He, he is, he's but the- his his voice, I'm not speaking of, of whatever he, he believes in or whatever. I'm just saying his voice is legendary any way you look at it when it comes to narration yeah. and voiceovers. Yeah, it's it's and one of those that- we see yeah. the troop of gorillas moving through the mist. Yes. Marvelous silver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. Yeah. Well, he has done his take on- President Joe Biden, I thought you would be interested. Within the untamed wilderness of Washington, D.C., a remarkable and rather peculiar creature known as the jackass can be observed in its native habitat. This particular jackass is far past his prime, yet somehow he manages to maintain his leadership role. If you look closely, you can observe this elderly jackass attempting to remember his speech and control his bowel. As the morning's dementia medications begin to take hold, he resists his natural instinct to go knuckle-deep in his nose. As he becomes more lucid, he smiles as he remembers all the money that he and his family has stolen. But he quickly begins to prance as he soils his diaper yet again. Notice the discomfort on the jackass's face as his undergarment becomes soiled. The elder jackass sniffs the air to take in his own scent as he looks to his second-in-command. Here, a much younger and more brazen jackass brays at the podium while attempting to ignore the foul stench wafting from the elder jackass's adult diaper. <laughs> Sorry. Well, well done. Well done, whoever, you know, programmed the AI to copy Attenborough's was, voice. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that's, that's, that is funny. But you see, it's the truth as well. The reason it's funny is because it's true. He is senile. Uh, and and she is drug addled. That was Harris, wasn't it? Uh, Kamal Harris, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've watched them being asked questions recently, and they've got no answers. They're into a, uh, an instant fluster. And it's almost like you can see flitting across their eyes. The, the idea was, hang on, hang on, they promised me I'd be okay. They said we'd get away with this. Why am I getting asked these awkward questions? They've got, who's the... The young African-American lady, she's quite pretty, but has got a ridiculous haircut who does the White House press office speeches. Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Right. She just, as soon as she gets asked an awkward question, she moves on to the next person. She doesn't answer a damn thing. And neither do either of those two. And for that matter, our own, here in the UK, our government is exactly the same. Yeah, thanks for that. Lovely surprise. And yeah, of course. The, that was the best the, I could the, do this week. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I just hope he doesn't run out of diapers because I bet they're made in China. Probably, yeah. yeah you would think. All right, that's going to do it for us for today. It's been a great conversation, my friend. Thank you for being here today. I'll see you next week. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone. Have a great holiday if you're in America, and we will see you next week. Next week.